Well, for the next six weeks, I'd like to change things around a little bit. And I want to look at the story of our faith. You know, there's something interesting about the Christian faith. If you notice, you have a copy there with you. It's a copy of the Apostles' Creed. For those online, there's a copy of the Apostles' Creed in the email that went out this week. And the Apostles' Creed, it was a creed that the early church agreed to for baptism. This was the foundation of the Christian faith in the early church. And so when you were baptized, this is what you would recite. And this is what you would agree with. When you read this, or if you think about the song that we sang, it's a story. You're singing about characters and events. You're singing about the character, Jesus. He's a character on stage who came into the world stage. You sing about God, who's this character that, that we can interact with, just like in a, in a show or a movie, but it's a real life thing that is being played out. And so I want to explore church and faith. This is going to be the culmination of several years of, of thought and study that I've put into my own life. And for some people, your faith might be okay. Your faith might be solid and, and that's great. But what we see in the world today is that there is a big question being asked about what is church and what is faith. People are leaving the church and they're leaving the faith in droves. And so it's great to be able to equip ourselves to consider what is our faith, not just for ourselves, but so we can empathize and relate to people who might want to come through the doors of the church and into God's kingdom one day. There's this theologian back in 1934, and, and he identified something that's interesting about the Christian faith. He says that early Christianity was more diverse than it was unified. More diverse than it was unified. And it's inaccurate to refer to a single orthodox position that the church held before the fourth century. The church was united on a story more than it was on doctrines for the first few hundred years. And it is this story that they boiled down into the Apostles' Creed that also relates to the baptismal creed. This is the story you agreed to when you entered into the church. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not a list of truths and, and everything else. It is a, the culmination of key events that the church said, this is what we are established in. And so it's here that I want to turn our attention for the next six weeks. I believe here is where I have found my own faith turning to over the last decade. I believe here is what we have to offer the world. Here is the glue that holds our community together as a church, not this little church, but a church, the big church, the church from yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In fact, you're going to see some of the language in the Apostles' Creed is archaic. And it does say the Catholic Church. This is a name that is associated with the Pope and everything else. But the Catholic Church actually related to the church across time and history. And so the Catholic Church 
the word Catholic first means universal. Universal as in everybody around the world, universal as in everybody through time. And so we're going to get to there. But I want to start looking at it today. And when you look at the Apostles' Creed on your, on your page there, if you have a copy, first words, I believe. It's there that we have to stop. What is belief? What is faith? Before we go into what I'm believing, what I, what I am saying I have faith in, I need to know what is it that faith is? What is faith? And this is something that has been, I've wrestled with for years. And I have some points here that I'd like to consider about what faith is. These are some things that I believe we're lacking as a church today. And so faith is first, it's a story that we enter into and live out. It goes back to what this creed is. There is not a single item that the early church produced for its first hundreds of years that's a list of doctrines as much as it is a story. And so my faith is first and foremost entering into a story. Scripture gives us a story. If you notice the, 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 the Bible that we have sitting next to us, the Bible that we have resting at home, the Bible that we have on our phone, it has characters and events in it. It's not a simple rule book. And so I'm entering into a story. I'm entering into a story that happened thousands of years before me, but it's not a story that's closed off and done. It's a story that we're all characters in. And the early church was built on this story. What you'll notice in this story is that it doesn't tell us one of the great arguments with, among theologians, how does the crucifixion work? It just says there was a crucifixion. That's what it brings faith to. Paul, in his letter to Corinth, he writes to, he writes to Corinth and he says, some of you believe in the resurrection. Some of you don't even believe there's a resurrection but he calls them all brothers and sisters. So he doesn't disqualify them because they don't believe in a resurrection. He leaves room for differing points of view that all fit within this story. And there's two options when we look at the story of faith. We can read it from a distance and we can say, cool, look at that story. That was an amazing story. That story moved me. That story is the story that everybody should think about and everybody should believe in. Look at that story. That story is amazing. Hey, come here. I got a book for you. <laughs> this book is an amazing story and it's about God and the world. Look at that story. We can also enter into the story as characters in that story. Instead of saying, look at that story, what faith can bring us to is to say, look at this story. Look at the story that is continuing to be lived out. There's a first person view of this rather than third person. You're not looking at a story, you're living in a story. And that covers also the difference, I believe, that we see in the Western world. The difference between attending church and the difference between participating in church. People can go to attend a church. They check the boxes, they look at it. They're looking at something. 
or you can go and you can participate in church. This church is, again, as a whole, the church around the world right now, it's the body of Christ and you can participate in it. You bring yourself into the story because it's still unfolding. And just as we sing a song about Jesus and God as characters in the story, just as we read in our scripture about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all these heroes of the faith that you'll find through the story, we are also characters in the story. I would claim this is something that I came to a couple of years ago. I would claim that observation is where faith goes to die. But experience is where faith goes to evolve and grow. If you're just observing faith, if you're just going to church to check a box, if you're just reading your Bible to enjoy a story that's that story, we've seen the shortcoming in the world. We've seen the shortcoming of, of faith in something you observe. But I believe that the strong faiths that you can look at in people is a faith that is participatory and experiential. Completely different mindset. If we're going to see people want what we have, want those first two words of the Apostles' Creed, I believe. If we are going to see people join into that belief, I think we have to show that the Bible is just opening chapters to a story that is still unfolding here in this sanctuary and in sanctuaries around the world whether it's a living room, whether it's a, a farmhouse in China as for the underground church, wherever it is, we have to show that the Bible is simply the opening chapters of a story that we're still living and participating in. That can bring us out of our comfort zone a little bit. I like to sit back and watch people play a football game on Sunday. I'm not the one sweating. I'm not the one hurting. I'm not the one having to put my health on the line on a Sunday and I get to enjoy watch someone else do it. But if I consider that this is a participatory, participatory story, I have to step out. Whether it's here, whether it's at the grocery store, wherever it is, I'm living out a story. What scripture does for us and what the Apostles' Creed has boiled down to so nicely is it establishes the foundation of the story that I'm living out. So I am taking this story and I'm going to launch it further into the future. But it doesn't offer us answers to everything. Rather, it's a framework. If you talk to actors, actors will be like, okay, who's my character? What's the, what's the background? What is, what is it that makes me who I am? None of us are neutral people. We don't make decisions independent of what our story is. And so the church, it has to hold on to its story and it makes choices and lifestyles out of this. I give to charity. I, get, I, I love someone. I pray for them because my story makes me believe that prayer works, for example. You might say that the story, again, that's boiled down to here in the Apostles' Creed, is the lens which we look at the world through rather than a list of answers. The story doesn't tell us how creation happened on a molecular level. 
it intrigues us to consider, man, did, did the universe start from a single point and expand? How did electrons and, and all these things get, get put together into these atoms? The Bible doesn't tell us. It doesn't give us answers. The Bible doesn't tell us how to cure cancer. The list can go on of things I've thought about. The Bible doesn't tell me how to vote in the next election. Doesn't even tell me how my brain works with all the neurons and why sometimes it gets messed up in there. But what it gives me is a lens that I can look at all those things through. It gives me a framework into which I place everything. And so it's not a static list, but it's something that actively plays a role in my life day to day. And so when I say I believe, what I'm doing is I'm saying, I am bringing a lens up. I am putting a frame around what I am looking at. I believe too often people's faith fails when they run into something that they feel like they should have an answer for. We sell Christianity. I was told in Bible college, we have the answers for the questions that people face. We don't. But we have a lens and a framework to see what people face. We have a lens and a framework to see it through. We look through this at what is going on. It's not a fault of the story that it doesn't have the answers. To look for answers in a story that was never intended to give them is to put something on it that it didn't intend to, to give you. And so admitting that we can lack answers to this or that is not to say that the story is less than it should be. It's admitting that our story has a purpose and that purpose is to offer a lens and a framework, not to tell us what a black hole is and how a black hole works. I think we set people up to lose faith when we claim to be the house of answers. When we claim to be the place of easy answers and people come through the doors of a church and they look for easy answers, it's much different. And I think it sets them up for failure than to say, we have a framework through which you can grapple with life through. We have a lens to which you can look at things through and it makes it possibly okay if you don't have an answer. When Christianity merged with Western thought, Christianity tried to operate as the knowledge against ignorance. Colonialism, part of colonialism was an attempt to spread Christian civilized thought against savage ignorance. That's what the conquistadors tried to do in, in Central and South America. At the edge of a sword, they said, accept our answers. These are your answers to what you will believe. They didn't offer a story. They offered a list of absolutes. And at the point of a sword, they said, do you believe? How many people really believe at the point of a sword? I believe this is how faith continues to operate across the U.S. in general. We have a list of true facts and we are ready to debate you into believing these. But this is not what the early church saw as faith. What the early church saw as faith is on that paper that I set on the chair. What the early church saw as faith is a story and not a list to hold you at sword point 
and make you say, you better agree to this list. And it's no wonder that people are leaving the church and the faith in droves. It's been sold for so long as a set of answers. It only goes so far until you run into suffering. Things that there is no exact answer for. Their experiences and their feelings, they're not necessarily something that just involves logic. And so, as I said, when we say, I believe what we're offering is a lens and a framework. Faith is not your answer, but it's how you look at your suffering. It's how you look at your feelings and your emotions. So what we have in faith, and this is, this is my next point. This is the next realization that I've come to. What we have in faith is not rational certainty, but a commitment to relationship. Abraham's a perfect example of this. And he's held up to us through scripture as, as the example of faith. So I think he's a great one to look at, to see what is faith. What are we saying with these first two words of the Apostles' Creed? Well, let's look at Abraham. He's not given answers, but he's giving an, he is given an invite into relationship. A relationship that forms a story. What Abraham shows is that faith is not a left brain logical decision. It is a leap. It is a terrifying leap to grab onto what's transcendent. He doesn't know how the promises he's given will work out. He's not given a list of things he better believe and disagree with. He's given an invitation to relationship, a terrifying invitation. And as we watch him, we're going to see he makes mistakes. He's living out a story and he makes mistakes as his faith grows and evolves. But what his faith is, is not in getting everything perfect. It's not in saying, man, today I messed up and tomorrow I'll get things more perfect. I, I need to hit these 101 points that God's given me. Every day is a terrifying commitment to that relationship that he chose to enter into. And so that's faith. Faith is, is this commitment to a relationship. But in the West, we often think of things as two-sided. And so if you say, well, faith isn't rational, faith isn't reasonable necessarily, we often jump to the conclusion, well, then faith is irrational. You're saying faith is crazy. And no, my faith is grounded in, in reason and ration. But there's a third option, I believe. And the we, th we see things as, as this black and white. I'm going to say that faith is awe-rational. When you put an A in front of it to, to informally go through grammar, if someone's an atheist, theist is God, and, and it goes into the negative. Well, I, I, I don't believe that there's a God. If something is awe-rational, it is neither rational or irrational. It's non-rational. It would have been rational for Abraham to stay where he was with family. He apparently came from a well-off family. It would have been rational for him to stay and not follow God's invitation. 
when you have the most powerful being in the universe give you an invitation in a relationship, it's also rational to follow. There's ration on both sides. This is one of my favorite quote, quotes by Pascal. He said this when he was considering a faith in God. He says, seeing too much to deny and too little to be sure, I am in a state to be pitied. He's struggling. Wherefore, I have a hundred times wished that if a God maintains nature, nature would testify to God without doubt. And that, it, I'm sorry, uh, this is in Pascal. This, this is one of Pascal's writings. He was, he was a philosopher. He wants that nature would suppress any, sci any deceptions that, that um, there are. And that nature would say everything or nothing. That I might see which case I ought to follow. Should I follow the case that I do believe in God? Or should I follow this case that I, I, I see that I might doubt God? And so Pascal's in this, in this debate about God. He says, I know neither my commission nor, I, I need, know neither my condition nor my duty. My heart inclines wholly to know where is the true good in order to follow it. Nothing would be too dear to me for eternity. And this is interesting. I envy those whom I see living in the faith with such carelessness. And who makes such a bad use of a gift of which it seems to me I would make such a different use? He closes with this thought. It is incomprehensible that God should exist. And it is incomprehensible that God should not exist. He's caught in the middle and I can, I can relate to Pascal. That's why what you're getting is, is the culmination of years of my own thought and study. I've seen just enough hatred and death in the world that reason would make me doubt there's a loving God at the center of any of this. I've seen horrible things in my time. As many of you know, I was in the military and so I've, I've been overseas. I've seen the worst of humanity. But I've seen just enough love and life hold on that reason would also say there's got to be something more keeping this all together. And so I can understand how Pascal would sit in this grappling. I see the horrible things in the world and I just don't see that there can be a God. I see these amazing things and there's got to be a God. So you can reason both ways, just like Abraham could reason. It might've been good for me to stay with my family, but it also is kind of cool that the all-knowing, loving God of the universe has called me into this terrifying adventure. You can see the reason goes to both sides. And what I would contend to you is when we say, I believe, when we call out that I have faith, faith comes at the end of reason. And faith has you choose experience. And so that's why faith is all rational. Faith is not irrational. There's, there can be reasons for both sides. But faith is not completely rational because it has you let go and it has you grab for what transcends safety, security, 
and one direction you can go in life. This is important because faith moves out of reason. And this is something that, that I came to embrace. It, it moves us out of reason and it leads us into experiences and feelings. I know many people who want to boil faith down to logic. People want to boil faith down to these apologetics and they want to reason people into faith. But faith moves you from those and it brings you into experiences and emotions. I want to make sure I'm not going to keep you too long. Many want this cold look at faith and they want to analyze and be like, let me think about this before I jump in. It only takes you so far. But faith extends out of reason. But then as you gain experiences and feelings in faith, it makes it reasonable. Once I jump into faith and I begin to get my experiences and I feel faith, it then becomes reasonable for me to continue in faith. Does that make sense? And so what this brings us to is my next point on faith. Faith is a story. Faith is not rational or irrational. But faith is this journey. Faith is an evolving. We grab onto this story. We move past our reason to, to faith. And then we experience reason from faith. And the story moves ever forward as we conduct this journey. You don't get into faith and just say, yay, I'm good, I, I'm here and I've arrived. And then become static for the rest of your life. You journey, you evolve, and the evolution takes the rest of our lives. And what this journey means is that faith is also a battle. Faith is a journey. Faith is also a battle. We have this story that offers us this lens to see things through, or it offers us this framework that we, that we look through. But that involves engagement. I'm not saying it involves a battle because we're rebellious, but it involves a battle and engagement with everything around us to comprehend, to evolve, and to grow continually. It offers us a battle just like I, ba I would battle in the gym. I take a heavy weight and I, I struggle to get it up. And so it involves this battle. Abraham struggled or battled in his faith journey. He battled to say, how can someone so old have a child? David battled in faith. David said, God, why do the wicked prosper while the righteous suffer? So Abraham, the father of faith, he battled. David, the king who Christ would come in the vein of, David battled. Jacob is probably one of the most famous ones who, who battled God. He, he literally wrestled God. And it is from that wrestling that he then gains the name Israel. The distinction of being a person of God. So the distinguishing feature that brings the title Israel to him is that he battled with God. 
So faith is this journey. It's this battle. It's this story. And what we see through this journey is that faith is not black and white. Faith is not just simply there or not there. Faith is a gray. Faith is by degrees. One day you have a more, you have a greater degree of faith. Another day, your faith might be hanging on by a thread. I've told many people about how I heard the voice of God and that's what brought me to salvation. That's what, that's what converted me. But last year, many of you may have seen the, the, the meltdown of Afghanistan, atrocities. And my faith hung on by a thread. How can this happen in this world? We're going to deal with this as we get into the story of the Apostles' Creed. I believe there's an answer in the Apostles' Creed as to how this happens, why this happens. But it doesn't mean faith is easy every day. It doesn't mean my faith is just as strong one day to the next. I believe that my wife is one for whom faith comes easier than it does for me. She can pull into the parking lot of the mall and she can say, God has a spot for me. She has faith for that. Me, I can say, why does God care to give us a parking spot when there's a kid starving in Africa? My wife's faith isn't wrong for a parking spot, but neither is my struggle wrong. Faith is different for each person. Faith comes in degrees and having degrees of faith, your faith varying from day to day doesn't mean your faith is defective. That's what faith is. It's not black and white. Faith is degrees. And each person is living out the measure of faith that they have. And Paul tells us to give room for that. He talks of people who can eat meat sacrificed to idols, people who can't eat meat sacrificed to idols. He talks about some people who think that some days are holy and other people don't think that there's holy days. He doesn't say convince them of your truth and bring them to the faith. He says, leave room for it. Give compassion. And so we're supposed to have this room for faith. And this brings me to my last point today. We've gotten two words into the Apostles' Creed, but I, I felt like we couldn't go further without looking at faith first before we get into the story part. And my last point is that faith is a story that gives us this framework. It involves commitment to a relationship, a terrifying commitment. I'm going to step out. And we journey through this at various degrees. And this all involves freedom. I would tell you that faith cannot be instituted on someone. You cannot bully someone into faith like the conquistadors tried to do. You cannot argue them. And if we're frank, if we're going to be blunt, you can't even manipulate and bully yourself into faith. You don't get pushed into faith, I believe. I think faith pulls you in. Faith 
it thrives in this freedom of drawing. What I think is exciting about faith is that faith is your imagination saying, what is it like to live in this story? Abraham had rational reasons to go any direction. We all do. And faith is imagination saying, what if I went that way? And it pulls me. And as I go that way, some days it feels better than others. What we offer people though, oftentimes in the West is a statement of beliefs. And we say, this is what you got to believe. And this is what you got to sign off on. This is, let's flip that faith switch and let's get you in. And you have faith now. And when it starts to waver, when it doesn't feel so strong one day, they wonder, is my faith switch switched on or off? And what they don't realize is that faith is like in those old houses that had that little dimmer dial. And so you could dial the lights brighter and, and softer some days. Faith is like this dial. And some days it's turned brighter than others. And I believe that if we can sell faith for what it truly is, we wouldn't see people leaving the church and the faith in droves. It's this lens, it's this framework. And so what we've seen in our world today, I believe, is a church that too often builds community on enforced faith, a black and white faith. When you believe this, this, and this, then you have the faith. It's an absolute thing. It's a, it's a destination you arrive at rather than a journey that you go through for the rest of your life. And what we're seeing now is that people are leaving that faith because that faith doesn't work for them. One day they just don't feel that faith because they have questions. Having tackled just for a moment today, probably almost offensively so, <laughs> having tackled what faith is for a moment, over these next five weeks after this, I'd like to go through the story of our faith. If faith is a story, if faith is a journey, if faith is what extends after reason, then we're gonna look at what it is. We're gonna look at this story for the next five weeks. And this is a story that the church is birthed out of. This is the story I believe is foundational to the church. But first and foremost this week, possibly consider what, what lens are you looking through? What's the framework? If it wavers one day, if, if, if life gets hard, that is faith. You are living out faith. Your faith switch has not been turned off. That's just how it works. So please take this, take this story home with you. Consider, I haven't offered you a list of, of doctrines that you have to believe in to have the faith. I've offered you a story, a story with characters and events. We're going to sing this, the song one more time that covers the Apostles' Creed. I think we have time for that. And um, as we sing this, yeah, we have time. We have a couple more minutes. As we think, sing this, please just consider how you're, you're hearing of characters and you're hearing of events that the church is founded on.
as I went into this new year and, and this and these next six weeks, I just realized that I, I've dealt with what is faith for a decade. And this is what I feel like I, I just, I need to share this as I'm sharing with you. It's me processing it myself. And so I pray that we, as we go through this, we could take this into the world. And we're a community. And what I'd like to do as we close, I'd like our worship times to always be prayer times. Worship is not just singing. Worship is putting God where he is. He's either next to you as that infant that came to earth, or he's that king above you that can lift your suffering. And so if you need prayer, we had a prayer time at the beginning of service. And if, as you go into your week, you need prayer, would you step up and, and raise your hand? It might be uncomfortable. If you see someone with your hand, with their hand raised today, would you go pray for them? This is a great time for worship just to not be just singing, but to put God in his worshipful place. So while Nate plays, raise your hand if you want prayer, join someone in prayer, and let's be that community of the story that's not watching football on a Sunday, but we're living out the story as characters with real events. Bless you guys.